that's a growler. Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome back to the never-ending minute where we analyze, scrutinize, and the true bringer of Fantasia's demise, the movie, The Never-Ending Story. I'm Thomas Howarth. And I'm Jonathan Carlyle. And I'm Dean with LSG Media. One last time, gentlemen, you ready to do this? I'm ready mm-hmm. to do this. I know I commented on one in the last minute, but your intros, I got to comment on this one. You know, right. you know what you'd be really good at? Those, um, you know, those guys who are like, he's the master of disaster, the prince of pugilism, <laughs> you know, like the boxer guys, like the announcers, yeah. that should be your next gig, man. <laughs> I'll work on it. I'll work on there it. I'll get go. some applications in. <laughs> <laughs> Just have them listen to this 99 some odd times. All right. I have a repertoire. <laughs> you can listen to it. Awesome. Speaking of repertoires, what's your final repertoire for this evening or this uh, week? Yes, minute 84. I really worked hard on this one, getting the wording just right, because I was playing around. So we'll see if anyone even understands what I did with this. So, begins with Bastion refusing to climb those steps that are only a story and ends with spider webbing cracks throughout the palace. There you go. Ooh. Basically taking the minute backwards and yep. making it work. <laughs> right. Thank you for joining us this weekend for being my co-host. It was a, <laughs> it was really a last-minute thing, pulling you in. Um, Tierney had her family obligations and that's perfectly understandable. Scheduling had to happen for us to get our episodes out on time. And I can't thank you enough for stepping up to the plate and coming to co-host with me. Well, you know, I, I stood by some stairs and I said, you know what? No, I got to do this thing. (laughs) (laughs) Well done. And Dean, thanks again for joining us this week. It's been fantastic. I've wanted you on the show for so long. I'm glad you could finally make it out. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for your patience with that. Thanks for making it happen. I appreciate that. Congratulations on your recent nuptials. That was part of the the fun for scheduling, I'm sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that and podcasting and, you know, the whole thing. Yep. But thank you for making time for us. It's it's been well worth it. Thanks for having me, man. All right. So uh, before we get into the minute, let's go ahead and talk to you real quick about like what was what's your never any story story well when did you first see this what was your what were your first reactions with this and interactions with this movie me specifically yes you specifically all right so here's the deal um on our show on the science fiction film podcast we just talked about willow and i knew i was coming on this show so it had me thinking a lot and remembering a lot about all these these films from this era from princess bride to the dark crystal to willow to legend and the list goes on and on and on um now i i am 41 and this came out in what 84 so i would have been old enough to see it and i was probably only a couple of years older than the main character in bastion but um i don't read i I didn't remember the never-ending story very well, only in clips. Clearly, clearly I remembered, you know, uh, Luck Dragon Dog Falcor. Yeah. And um, because that's just so memorable. I, re- I, I remembered the the rock guys. There is those very visceral things I remember. Of course, the wolf, Gamork, who now, whose mm-hmm. name I remember after five episodes. <laughs> but... Um, I didn't remember it, and it never sat with me as the definitive one from my childhood. I always defaulted to Princess Bride, Legend, um, Labyrinth, and isn't that, it's just a weird situation. I never, it was there, it was always a thing, but I never 
had a lot of childhood memories about never ending story and I struggled to find one to be honest with you other than I remember the idea of reading a book come to life like that's something right. that always sat with me as a kid and to say I appreciate the never ending story more now than I did even just a couple of months ago would be the truth because I watched it of course in preparation for this podcast episode and I thought to myself man this is pretty cool it's a pretty cool story it's executed well I think Wolfgang Peterson does a great job here. He typically does. And I liked it. I liked that it was it, it wasn't bloated. It moved at a good pace. And overall, I definitely enjoy the Neverending story more than I did even a year ago. And I have That's this awesome. podcast to think, which is cool. But not if I'm gonna if I'm being honest, I could probably, you know, make up a tale and regale you with some <laughs> neverending story like history, but there just isn't any other than these clips and memories. I watched I mean I was at that age where it was Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars 2 in 84, right? It was a lot of Star yep. Wars watching. So um, the never-ending story kind of slipped away from me. And I couldn't even remember. I was like, how does this movie even end? Like, what? <laughs> it was crazy. Like, so I don't even, I can't even tell you a solid memory from when I was a kid other than just simple images that enter my mind. That's really interesting because you and I are the same age. Yep. And we just had different experiences. I mean, yeah. I was a Star Wars kid as well, but for some reason, this movie was the one that really connected with me. Cool. Where I saw, I saw those other movies, and I had vague memories of them. Mm -hmm. But this one was the one that, for some reason, caught my attention and was my my repeat on like constantly on repeat movie. This is one that I rented every time that I went to the movie theater or the movies. Mm -hmm. Uh, rental place and stuff like that. Maybe it's because I was a bully and uh, I just more connected. No, I'm kidding. I, I was not. I was, yes, I was the wimp and I really connected with the other side. <laughs> that was the backwards joke I was trying to make, but I didn't want to yeah. just say it so bluntly. Oh. No, no, I. but it's. I really like this movie now. Um, it's it's well done. It's a well done piece of cinema and it, and it deserves its spot in in uh, this genre. This, this is a uh, 80s fantasy is such a genre unto itself that just does yes. not exist anymore, obviously, because it's not 1980, but mostly because they just don't make this type of film anymore. And it's ref it's refreshing to watch. I almost wish there were a way that I had, or I had pre-thought this better when I started. Instead of this being never any minute, just been like, you know, 80, 80s movies minute or something like that, mm. because there's so many more I wish I could talk about. Like, um, there's this, there's... Daryl, I don't know if you remember that, but I it's don't. got Bar it's got Barrett Oliver oh, in it. It's one of his I'm other not, big uh, movies. A little bit. He was a robot in it or something like that. And then there's movies like The Explorers or Flight oh, of the Navigator. Deep. Okay. Flight of the Navigator, yeah. I know. Yep. Yeah. All those kind of had the special spot in my heart as I grew up. And I kind of wish I could just keep going with those movies, which I guess I could. Right. But going back into, I mean, we all really love nostalgia, of course, or we wouldn't be here and we wouldn't talk about movies all the time because <laughs> <laughs> that's what we do. We love nostalgia. And, and I've, I've just really enjoyed exploring that too. Specifically, what I like is I like our changing, right? The movie doesn't change. A lot of people think, oh, yes. the movie... You hear the term a lot, the movie doesn't age well. No, I, the movie is an inanimate object. I mean, it's, unless you're talking right. about physical deterioration, not to get too overly philosophical, but you change, your worldview might change a bit. And when you come back to it, it's going to mean something different to you now than maybe it did when you watched it as a kid and you might find something deeper. That's one of the reasons I like to dive into some of these older flicks. Yeah. You mentioned something about the pacing, how the pacing keeps up really well. Did you know that this movie was edited for pa just for pacing purposes 
for the American audience by Steven Spielberg. Mm, that doesn't surprise me. Uh, Wolfgang took it to St- Spielberg and said, hey, I want this to to flow better for the American audience. I kind of filmed it for a German audience. And can you help me with some of the pacing and some of the editing on it? And for doing that, Steven Spielberg now holds the Orin that was used as a prop in this movie. Wow. Well, that's wild. One of the most cool historical things I noticed on this watch while reading about it was uh, West Germany. Whoa, that was so heavy to read, (laughs) right? Like, man, that's crazy to just imagine this creation coming out of that strife. Exactly. It's wild. The, like, the ending of the uh, world, right? I mean, it's 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 pretty wild. It's pretty wild. <laughs> Speaking of walls coming crumbling down. Mm. <laughs> right? Let's go, Bastion. Don't let everyone die in Fantasia. <laughs> Get it together, kid. You're done with your sandwich. You have no excuses. Yeah. Jonathan, don't feel left out. And we're going to have you as a guest, actually, not as a host oh, yeah, uh, here in a week or two. So we'll be able to get to your your story and you get some time to think about it now. <laughs> no problem. It's never ending. Uh, so we've got Bastion <laughs> talking about it. I can't believe it. They can't be talking about me. Yeah. It's, and those are rough lines, but uh, he's a kid. <laughs> what are you going to do? Yeah. And what are you gonna do? It, like I said, it kills me that that's the stuff that Wolfgang preferred mm-hmm. for some reason. And like I said, it is very overacted. It's very childlike, and that had to be what he was going for. Kind of like yeah. Lucas, you know, making the movie for kids and oh us boy. just not understanding that he was making this for for children. Yeah. <laughs> this place is really coming down now, and the Empress is the Empress. Yeah, the child Empress. Yep, childlike Empress, yep. She's um really... <laughs> really leveling with a tray like all oh, will come to dust <laughs> like whoa really she's like yeah it's gonna everything's gonna fall apart because he doesn't know it's, it's essentially what she's saying right because the is shouting much. about what'll happen if he doesn't appear and she's like then our world will die or disappear <laughs> or something and she even says then i'll die too right yikes <laughs> like yeah mm-hmm. and she faces it with such strength too like mm-hmm. okay you're gonna die but you don't look like you're scared <laughs> she is a child empress childlike empress <laughs> at second oh let's second 20 1920 <laughs> there's mm-hmm. a rock explosion that's pretty fantastic yeah they like split the rock right in half with a laser beam shooting right into it right very, just, very Flash Gordon. <laughs> I just see a bunch of rain falling, money, a rain, rain of money falling down on Michael Bay's head as he watches that. He's <laughs> like, He's yes. Like, I could do that so much better. What if I do that in every movie? Every single one. So I rich. need explosions. He can keep his, JJ can keep his lens flares. I want the explosions. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we haven't really talked too much about The Rock specifically as far as the effects that they've got going, but. I don't, I guess I, not even the effects. So yeah, this rocket split in half. What is it getting split in half by? Because we've seen that nothing visualized as like stormy clouds and, you know, uh, we just have space all around this, but something. <laughs> not to be a wise guy, but it's probably like a bunch of stock markets on you on, on Wall Street just did really <laughs> well and a bunch of businesses closed down and it was just a shot of banality ripping hatred that broke apart <laughs> oh, yeah. part of their world or something i don't know it was a library going under because no <laughs> books can be read there anymore <laughs> yes that's what it is <laughs> oh Some, no something just got shut down and yep. 
That's perfect. Cori- Coriander's bookstore got closed. That's what yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And they put up a GameStop. No. <laughs> He's like, no. This is not what I want. <laughs> oh. That's crazy. Yeah. What is the energy? That's a good question, Jonathan. What is it? Just it's the that's one of those things in this movie, unfortunately, that you have to wax over is that the nothing isn't consistent with what it does. It right. isn't consistent with how it acts, and it isn't consistent with the way that it interacts with the real world or with the fantastic world, I guess. And you just have to accept it's the I believe button, you know. I believe it's the nothing doing something. Right. I just like that right. some of these some of these boulders look like they're just well, okay, so we got stuff kind of blowing up. We got that one rock that gets blasted into two pieces, and like right yeah. after that or something, we've got this huge, massive boulder that looks like it's just a spaceship just kind of blasting away. Oh, right, yeah, the, right. one, the one with the little rocket on the back of it? Yeah, it, yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's just funny. It's just like, like this rock's like, well, I'm getting out of here. Does that rock have a propulsion system? <laughs> it seems yeah, to. That's what it looks like. <laughs> And, and phasers? I'm telling you, man. <laughs> it's just camouflaged. It's actually the Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> They're doing some mission here and they can't be seen. That's funny. You know, all because of the uh, Prime Directive. <laughs> oh, right, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hopefully Data's uh, whatever their chameleon suit doesn't fail in an inopportune time. Right. This goes into a pretty disturbing moment, I feel like, when I'm watching this part because... This is well disturbing and almost like it, I kind of laughed a little when I was watching it this this evening, where she's like, he's like, why? She basically says to to Atreyu, oh, only he can stop it. And if I'm Atreyu, I'm like, well, why am I here, man? Like, can I go home yeah. if the kid can? <laughs> why did no, I risk no. my life and get my horse killed if this kid's the one? That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> and she she does say something kind of important here. She says he simply can't imagine. Right. That he is the one that can fix this. And that is the, you know, it's the whole story right there. Yeah, exactly. He simply can't imagine. And this is a place of imagination. It's funny that when I think back on the relationship, excuse me, between Bastion and his father, it's funny that on the one hand, his father wants him to get his head out of the clouds, get your feet on the ground and, you know, get to the factory and, I don't know, work in a textile <laughs> mill, whatever the heck he's trying to tell his kid to do. But at the same time, it's some of the wisdom from his father works in in where it's like you have to actually do something. You can't just dream, right? Yes. So it's kind of neat that there's a resentment and an, an annoyance there. And if his father was 100% right, then Atreyu and Fantasia would be dead. But, if his, but, but at the same time, if there wasn't some wisdom in his father's advice, then he might not have the gumption to push forward and do what needs to be done. It's interesting. And I think part of that may be that Everything that his father says is from a masculine perspective. And at the time, you know, there were, I'd hate to say stronger values, but the family unit served that purpose where the father may have this highly masculinized view where you have to get it done, nose to the grindstone, but you also have the motherly side to offset that and to make it more gentle. She's saying the same thing, but she's doing it in a different, more gentle, motherly way. Mm-hmm. And because that's missing at the beginning of the movie, because his mom's missing, he's just hearing the masculine side of it. He hear, he's hearing the hardened, you know, fatherly masculine point of view. And, and the story is trying to help give the motherly point of view. 
Mm, I never thought about that. So maybe the father is like the just do it, and the mother is like you must believe it as well. So right. without both, you can't really accomplish the goal. Yep. Interesting. I like it. It's good analysis. I also like that she's she the words that she uses, she says that, that he can't imagine that one little boy could be so important. Right. I know in the book, he really prides himself on his imagination and his being yes. able to make up stories and names and all that stuff. So I guess it's kind of telling too that that he can imagine this whole world of Fantasia or it you know this is representing his imagination but the one thing he can't imagine is his usefulness. Yes. Mm. It's a good point too. Nail on the head. He can't imagine that he is important in all of it. Mm. Cuz he feels very unimportant in his life. <laughs> right, right. Because the things that are important to him are not embraced by his father. So it's going to devalue you a little bit. Plus yep. his mother's dead, so on top of it, there's gonna he's gonna possibly feel like, oh, she left. I must not. I mean, logically, anybody knows that that's not the case. But sometimes right. in trauma, you think crazy things, especially as a kid. Yes, and that could just be dad doesn't. I must be a piece of you know what because dad doesn't care about anything I care about. He doesn't embrace me as who I am, so I have no value. Definitely, mm. man, we're getting deep. <gasps> Is lay, on, lay on the key, lay on the couch, Bastion. Super deep. Lay on the couch, kid. <laughs> uh, so I have a note here that says, "Why is everybody yelling all of a sudden?" <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Why, why did Why did we get to this? Everybody's really loud, <laughs> except for her. She's still calm and collected, right? But everybody else, Bastion's yelling, Atreus yelling, and again, this is them merging into one at the sure, end of the movie. Sure, you know. I do like that cut. I think that works pretty well with Atreyu, you know, saying, what does he have to do? And then Bastion's like, what do I have to do? Yeah. <laughs> I do like that. Right. And that's where his his mind rebels at the idea of it being anything more than just a story. Except then he goes right back at the end of the minute to say that again. It's only a story. Yeah. he's That's him fighting fighting the call. Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> he's, he's, he's rebelling the idea that it's anything more than just what he's reading. He's like, but it is just a story. It doesn't, this is, my dad told me this is all bull crap, right? Yep. <laughs> so we get this faraway shot of the attic now, which you guys haven't really gotten to look at very much. Sure. But at second 33, we get a nice thing and there's some great continuity here. There's papers over to the right-hand side of the screen. Yep. And those earlier in the movie blew out from up on the rafters by the window I guess some kid or somebody left their homework up there for some reason. <laughs> There's a ton of papers up there, but you do see them all over the ground and they weren't there when we started the movie. So there's there's a little bit of nice continuity here that could have easily gone without being there. And I don't think anybody would have noticed except yeah. somebody going through minute by minute. <laughs> <laughs> also, these, this, uh, this little set, I mean, it's not really, I don't know if it's a set. It's probably just a location, a house, an attic somewhere, but... That far shot I appreciate because it looks like the perfect place to read like a cool fantasy story, right? It has it, it almost looks like this is drama club's leftover prop area. Yep. <laughs> and uh, I like that. It's cool. It's a nice little it's a nice little spot. How fantastic would it be to get like five of your friends up here playing D D? <laughs> yes. <laughs> this place would be awesome. <laughs> awesome. I like it. You could be in your costumes and everything. Especially since you're undisturbed for untold amounts of hours. <laughs> exactly. Nobody knows you're up there. Doing it while you're supposed to be doing a math test. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there you go. 
Um, my next note is about the rocks as well. Mm-hmm. When there's this, there's this wind, the sand like wind, I guess is the best way to explain it. It's like gold flying across the screen. Right. Almost mm-hmm. like a little meteor shower, but it's going sideways. I called it the sand wind. Hmm. I almost re- misread it as sandwich, but it was sand wind. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a nice effect and it gives layers to everything that's going on. It's, you know, you got the matte painting probably in the background or at least mm. the composite shot in the background. You've got some real rocks here. And then you also have this extra texture of the stuff going horizontally across the screen. Yeah. I mean, it's funny when I saw that, I didn't, it didn't occur to me. I was just, it didn't occur to me that it was anything other than just a way to enhance the shot. It was, it was just cool looking. Layers upon layers, just like this movie. It's crazy. It's so crazy. <laughs> Mine is getting blown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Our boy takes a rough fall here, huh? Our Trey, he's really rough fall. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He does some great Star, Star Trek acting here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, th- I didn't take a note of that, but uh, I thought the same thing. <clears throat> I have talked about the effects on this movie ad-, ad nauseum, but just the way the walls rip apart, mm. you, it makes you wonder, like, what what physical stuff did they use to rip in that in that way? Like mm. the scene when the the sphinxes were were crumbling, mm-hmm. I kind of had the same question. Like, what was the material they used that crumbled in that fashion that they could film it? And the way the walls rip here gives me the same thought. Like, is it styrofoam that they're just ripping apart, or is it some <laughs> other <laughs> media? It's probably not a bad guess. Mm, yeah, I don't know. Gold? No. <laughs> <laughs> gold. <laughs> Does gold rip? I guess it would if it was large enough and you could grab it well enough. With your big, strong hands. My big, <laughs> strong hands. Big, strong, depressed hands. Yes. Just going to sit there and commit suicide by nothing. Mm. Just give <laughs> in to the emptiness. Yeah. You've heard of suicide by cop. This is suicide by nothing. Right. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to acquiesce to death. Yep. So, do you have any thoughts on? I know we've talked about these minutes plenty, but is, is there anything else that really sticks out to you in the movie that you wanted to talk about? Um, there's a couple things that were confusing, not confusing, but I definitely misremembered, as I told you at the beginning of this minute, where I didn't have a lot of memory about it. But mm-hmm. I remember when we meet these this group of characters in the beginning, I forgot that this is just a total solo adventure. Oh, I know. I was like, it's, oh, they're all going to go on this quest. It's going to be cool. And then it was just a Treyu. But so on the one hand, I that was a little bit disappointing. But on the but what was positive about this movie is that it didn't try to convince me that a 11 year old kid was going to like have a bow and a sword and, and murder adults in combat. I'm glad they didn't do that either. I'm glad right. it was more like these metaphorical tests and sadness and sinking into mud and and having belief in oneself and things of this nature. I'm glad that the I'm glad that the the journey, I'm glad that the conflict in the second act was largely that type of thing versus real physical combat stuff. Right. Which is interesting because the whole reason they get Atreyu, or supposedly the reason, is because he's a <laughs> yeah. great hunter. His, his, his prowess, right? And then his skill his skill set matters for nothing. Sure, <laughs> right. As and he matters for nothing, as so told by the childlike empress. Right, you are nothing. You're garbage. <laughs> so it would be only the- Bastion that solves the problem. Yeah, if mm. you are curious about why 
Atreyu is the hero in this. I think the biggest reason is because Bastion loves the Native American culture. Mm. Um, it's pointed out cool. a couple times in the movie. He's got a picture up in his room of Native American, the and then bison. on his back, yeah, he's got a picture on his backpack that actually has the a patch of a Native American guy hunting a buffalo. Awesome. So that's why I guess he he they knew he would relate to that the best. Cool. So. He become in it, became a Native American. Right. <laughs> He's like the last and, of the Mohican kid. Yes. Because you guys haven't been around, I'll, I'll bring this kind of stuff up too. The The whole story of Fantasia actually is pulled from Bastion's mind. Uh, we noticed it in the very beginning, very, very beginning. There's a dog barking in the background, mm-hmm. and that's probably why uh, Falcor takes on that dog-like image. And then all the stuff that he sees in the attic here ends up in the movie. And it's a nice little placement thing like the beakers and stuff that are in the attic. They show up when you see the science guy and the stuffed animals that are all around the attic. You see the wolf's head and that shows up, of course, with the Gamork and stuff like that. And it all plays into it's almost like a dream where you, you, you take stuff that you've seen in your day and it applies during your dream time to make sense of it. That's really cool. That's, a, that's yeah. um. Did, did they do that just to be sort of artsy, or are they, or are they trying to do the? It could be all a dream. Are they, are they doing that, or are they just? I don't tease. I don't know. I don't know that it's a. They could be. A, it could be a dream. I think it's just that his mind is making the story. I see. So as, he's being inspired he by the things around him. Exactly. Gotcha. Oh, craziness. That's so deep. All right. <laughs> that gets into like. You can't, you're, nobody's creative enough to make anything that they don't extrapolate from a memory. Like yes. a face you draw is an amalgamation of every face you've seen, even if it's only your peripheral. That's wild. Yep. Everything that's imagined has been seen somewhere. Right. It's pretty cool. It's so hard to come up with the original idea. And that's probably why movies are getting the way they are now. <laughs> <laughs> There's no original movies anymore. They're just amalgamations of other movies in some some They're way definitely few and far between that's for sure yeah so i guess this brings us to the end of our week it's been a pleasure both of you guys for for joining me i know Tierney's going to be really upset that she had to miss this no that's a bummer uh, when she used to listen to this she's going to be really jealous i'm sure <laughs> <laughs> hi Tierney. sorry you hi, missed Tierney, us we miss you sorry my schedule is so bad that it took it maybe this long to get my butt over here but it's all right. We're glad we did finally get to secure you. And Jonathan, thanks again for stepping in and stepping up to the plate. No problem. And doing the heavy thanks, lifting, Danny. Jonathan. Thanks for doing yes. the heavy lifting, by the way. You had all these things written. I was like, I panicked for a split <laughs> second, and I went back and read the emails. Like, was I supposed to write these? Because I definitely didn't. <laughs> so thanks for Jonathan coming in strong at the spot start. Awesome. Any final thoughts, Dean? No, man, just thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. I had a blast talking to you, Thomas, and you, Jonathan. Sorry, Mr. Tierney. And um, I appreciate you guys having me on and re- helping me rekindle a passion that maybe I didn't even realize I had for this movie. It was really cool to watch and, uh, and aptly timed with our show. So awesome. Thank you awesome. very much for that. Thank you so much for coming. Why don't you go ahead and plug your shows one more time? All right, cool. Um, so I am Dean and I'm part of LSG media. I do it with, um, uh, a few other awesome people and, uh, we've got an awesome community and we do a lot of shows. We do the science fiction film podcast. Um, if you like this kind of stuff, we also do stranger things and game of Thrones and walking dead and you name it, we cover it. And, um, we are 
definitely explicitly rated. Um, we, it's more of like an open-ended conversation of people that just get together with no script and we just sort of shoot the shit. <gasps> Whoops. You got to bleep that. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and do what we do. And it's a lot of fun and certainly a different flavor than, um, the minutes podcasts from what I've um, <laughs> witnessed, but, um, that's not to say it's better or worse. It's definitely different. So if you want to mix it up a little, if you want to take a little waltz on the wild side, come see us. I highly recommend it. They're all extremely entertaining and they've gotten me through many a drive. (laughs) Awesome. Good to hear it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Jonathan, again, thanks for joining us. Why don't you go ahead and plug your stuff? Yes, uh, the, the princessbrideminute.com. Uh, we actually have, have finished the movie, and that's 99 episodes. Um, we've got a couple little bonus things coming out. Um, so keep us in your podcatchers and, and uh, see when that happens. Um, yeah, that's about it. I'm definitely well, going to check that out. Jonathan, don't you have some uh, upcoming project as well? Uh, that is true. Um, I, I still have no time frame on that because we're just going to take our time with it. But we have uh, UHF 62nd. We're going to do the, the whole minute treatment with UHF. Ooh, that's sweet. Isn't it? That's cool. And then uh, also, if you're dying to hear a little bit more of Jonathan's voice, keep an eye out for Die Hard Minute. Oh, yeah. Where we have taken a whole bunch of minute-by-minute podcast hosts, thrown them into the mix together. Each each set of hosts gets a week, and they talk about Die Hard one just, minute at a time. You just want people to listen to your voice again. Well, yeah, I guess I do guest on that as well with you, in fact. <laughs> but it is a great show so far. It's been kind of interesting having the, the hosts switch up each week and not be the same, and mm-hmm. you get a different perspective on the movie each time. So, Which one of you guys really... is going to be doing the shoot the gloss? I don't know. I guess you'll have to listen and find out. <sighs> I guess out. <laughs> I will. <laughs> All right, guys, if you, if you want to talk to us more about this show, you can join us on Facebook at the Never Ending Minute Ivory Tower. And if you leave a review before the end, of, before we get to our credits week, then we will read those reviews and shout out everybody that's been with us along this fantastic journey. We have a lot more to look forward to in the movie. It's almost over, but there is some important stuff that's going to happen next week. But that's, that's another, another story. story that shall be told another time. Wow, something is really different. I'm a growler.